right, welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk all about real estate rental properties and how you can quit your job. That's right, literally never work a job again if you invest in real estate rental properties. Now, I quit my job when I was 37 years old, and I'm teaching students who are actually in college that are saying, why would I even need to get a job? Why would I need to get a career where I'm working for you know, 30, 40 years and then eventually retire? And I said, absolutely right. You do not need to work a job that has a career. Now, you need to get a job to make money so then you can buy properties, and then those properties, you will then never work a job again. I'm teaching my kids how to never go to college and never get a career because you don't need that. You need real estate rental properties and passive income. All right, now in today's show, we're going to be talking all about short-term rentals and long-term rentals. Now, a short-term rental would be like Airbnb, and a long-term rental would be like a yearly lease or two-year lease or longer. And so we're going to look at all the goods and bads, the ups and downs, and how to get around them. All right, guys, let's get in there. Let's start the show and get it on with short-term and long-term rentals. Let's do it. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. guys, let's get started. Now, in today's show, we're going to talk about short-term rental properties and Airbnb and long-term leases. But before we do that, I wanted to say that right now when I'm recording, this is actually February. So this is February and I love February, not because of Valentine's Day. In fact, I had to get that out of my wife's system. She loves Valentine's Day. and I, It's been 12 years now. It's taken 12 years and we've been married for 12 plus years now um, of me encouraging her. Valentine's Day is a made up holiday for us to spend money. I, anyway, so if you love Valentine's Day, good for you. I just encourage my wife to not. And so I, I beat her down and she finally said, okay, we don't have to get things for Valentine's Day. I still took her out to dinner like the day after just because I I didn't want to play into that. Anyway, so (laughs) sorry for that little rant. But what I wanted to share was why I love February. February, it's so fantastic. And for long-term rentals, this is kind of going into what we're talking about today. But with, with February, we have 28 days in the month. Now, the reason why I love that is 28 days, it doesn't have 31 days. It doesn't have, doesn't have three extra days for me to wait to get my rent. You know, the first of the month, I start making money. And the sooner that first of the month comes rolling around, I love it. You know, obviously, if there's leap year where there's 29 days, I'm like, shoot, I got to wait an extra year. But that's one every four years. So now this is a 28-day month. And so just track with me. I'm not a numbers person. I, you're, you may be or you may not be, but just track with me. So if you have... 31 days, like in January, there's 31 days in the month, and I get paid $1,000 in one month, and that's 31 days to make that $1,000. Well, in February, I have 28 days to make that same $1,000. So I make more money per day from that one property. Does that make sense? So 1,000 divided by 31 and and 1,000 divided by 28. And, And so basically it breaks down that I make more money per day on February or in February than in January. Now to play those numbers out, this is the example. If you divide 1,000 by 31 days, so each day I make a total of $32.25 every single day from that property. 
Well, in February, when there's 28 days, 1,000 divided by 28 is $35.71. So I make a whole $3 extra, or $3.50 so extra um, per day if I have only 28 days. Now, if I can make it a 10-day month, hey, that'd be even better. I make so much money per month and then they pay me. So hopefully that makes sense is that there's less days in the month, which means more money in my pocket. Now, you might be thinking, well, $3.50 extra you know, per day, that's not that much. Well, hey, $3.50, if you times that by 100 properties, that's a ton of money. So we want to count every single penny. We want to, you know, when they say that a penny saved is a penny earned, I completely agree with that. This is a great way to save money. Now, it's, it's, it's a more of a forced way that you save money. I'm going to give you one other great reason why I really like February. So my kids, just like um, October, I love October and I love February for two reasons. One, I love Halloween and two, I love Valentine's Day. Not in the reason you might be thinking. So Halloween, my kids, I have four kids, they go out and they work hard to get candy. They go door to door and they say trick or treat and they get candy. And so in February... They go out and hang out with their friends and they do Valentine's Day and they get a lot of candy, a lot of chocolate and all that good stuff that daddy wants, that I want. And so what the reason why I love Valentine's Day or um, Halloween and Valentine's Day or February and October is because I get to teach my kids all the great things about taxes. I get to teach them about taxes and how taxation with daddy chocolate tax is a good thing for me. Now, it might not be a good thing for you. So they bring home a loot of candy for Halloween and they bring a bunch of candy from Valentine's Day from their friends. And so every day, daddy gets a tax of one chocolate piece of all their candy. (laughs) And so they learn about tax and they learn about how, you know, hey, just because I call it a tax doesn't mean that it's actually something that's beneficial. You know, somebody can make up a tax and just say, I'm just taking it and calling it a tax. Well, I'm teaching them to really love taxing. So it makes them want to go out and get even more candy so they can pay even more tax and candy into daddy. Actually, I'm joking. I'm being very, very sarcastic. They're always, you know, kind of like grinding their teeth at me and say, daddy can't take my chocolate. I'm like, yes, I can. I'm the daddy. It's a daddy chocolate tax. And so I teach them about taxes. Now, one thing hit the market recently or um, that, that happened recently is that Amazon, Amazon, the company pulled out of investing in New York to create jobs. And some of the, um, I would say, people that are in power, they were arguing that Amazon should not go there. And the reason why is because New York is going to be giving them $3 billion in money in taxation or, you know, uh, tax benefits. And they're saying, well, why don't we just spend that $3 billion instead of giving it to Amazon? Well, that's not the way taxation works. So taxation works only after somebody makes it, then you tax them. And so what Amazon was getting was a tax benefit. So a $3 billion tax break, but they're bringing billions and billions of dollars of tax into the the New York area. So they pulled out. So all the uh, uh, not so smart Congress people that are saying, hey, why don't we just spend that $3 billion. No, you don't have that $3 billion. They're just giving a tax break. And so I'm trying to teach my kids all about taxes and they go out and they make money or make chocolate or, you know, uh, earn chocolate by running around door to door and bringing me chocolate. And I take it from them and they're learning more about um, economy and taxes than a lot of the politicians who don't understand that, you know, if you don't take it from somebody, you don't have it. And so they're saying that, I don't need to keep going. I think you get it. So basically I'm teaching my kids with daddy chocolate tax. Now let's jump into where we're talking about short-term rental properties 
and long-term rental properties. Now, I love them both. I have them both. And there are ups and downs for both of them. Now, I personally prefer long-term rental properties because I want an automatic business that literally runs without me doing any work. I have property managers, I have uh, contractors, I have realtors, I have wholesalers, roofers, I just, you name it. I have everybody else do the work and I don't do any work at all. If anything, I just get on the phone once a month and talk to my property manager and they, they you know, let me know what's going on. Um, so... With a short-term rental property, there's a lot more moving parts. You have a lot more people moving in and out, and we'll get into that. And the reason why I like them both is because I make money in both. But here's a great thing about short-term rental properties. You make so much more money with a short-term rental property per day instead of per month with a long-term rental property. And this is what I mean. So per month, I could rent out, let's just round numbers, I could rent out a property for $1,000 a month for a lease. So a yearly lease, somebody signs and they get a thousand dollar a month lease. Well, that's great. I make a thousand dollars every single month, but with short term rental property, you rent it out per day. And so per day, let's say you rent it out at a hundred dollars a day. Well, after 10 days, I have the entire thousand dollars that I would normally have rented out to somebody else for an entire month. Well, on top of that, I have an extra, if it's, if it's December or January where it's 31 days, I have a whole nother 21 days to get more money. So if it's rented for $100 for 31 days, that's $3,100. That's three times what I would make with a long-term rental property. Now, my opinion is that yes and no. I mean, sometimes you might get people that are in there. You might not. Maybe it might not be rented for, you know, maybe a week at a time, or it's, you're, you're maybe you're renting in Phoenix where it's 120 degrees in the middle of July and nobody's going to be renting there unless they're coming and visiting a dead relative or something like that. Well, in that case, then it eats in your profits. But here's what I get asked you for short-term rental properties. Could, do you think whatever home, let's say your home that you're living in now, could you rent it out for 10 days for a hundred dollars a month and make a thousand dollars? More than likely, you absolutely could. There's there's more than 10 days in in um, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So let's say you rent it for three weekends. You know, that's nine days at nine or $100 a month or a, a day. Sorry, excuse me. And then you're at $900. Well, you need to rent it out one more day and you got your $1,000. So there's so many benefits about short-term rental properties. So I love making more money because uh, with my short-term rental properties because it's it's a lot of money. And obviously I like making money. I, every penny counts. And so I just keep adding it up. But at the same time, there's a lot more headache. There's a lot more moving parts. Now let's both look at the pros and the cons of long-term rental properties. Let's start with the pros for both. We're going to look at long-term rental properties, give you the pros and short-term rental properties, give you the pros for those as well. Now here's the key though. You've listened to my previous podcast where I share about the six ways that rental properties make you money. With short-term and long-term rental properties, they both make you the same six ways because you're getting a tenant in there. It's just a different um, a lease term. So your lease would be two days as opposed to, or it's not really a lease, it's more of a contract, but instead of a lease of a year. So go back and listen to my podcast show where I talk about six ways real, real estate rental properties make you money. And the show is my 28th show. So if you're gonna go to the show notes, if you're gonna find it, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 028, 028th podcast episode. If you're scrolling through the podcast feed, you should find it. it's the 28th podcast. Hopefully you can find it there. So I'll show you 
Six different ways, amazing ways that real estate rental properties make you money. It's just super, super crazy how you make so much money. I'll quickly, quickly go through those. So in case you don't wanna go back and listen to it, I'll really, really quickly go through it. So number one, you make it through monthly passive income. That's where your income exceeds your expenses. Number two, you get equity capture. When you buy the property, you capture that equity, you put it in your pocket. You buy it for $100,000, but it's worth $125,000. Now that $25,000, you put in your pocket. Forced depreciation. You put work into the property. You fix the, you know, the, the broken lights. You put carpet down. You paint the walls and, and make the, the landscaping look good. Well, that increases the value of the home, which makes you force the appreciation up. Market appreciation. As just the market in general goes up, the values go up, you make more money. Equity buildup. So, and that's basically like a mortgage buy down where or pay down where your tenant is paying off your mortgage for you. They're basically buying the property. Your last one is your tax advantages. Things like business write-off expenses, depreciation off your income taxes, 1031 exchange. There's so many great ways. So that's a quick, quick, well, like a fire hydrant full of great information, but go back and listen to my podcast episode, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash zero to eight, where I explain everything about those six ways that you make money in real estate rental properties. Now, all that being said, both long-term and short-term rental properties have those benefits. So those alone are fantastic. Um, but on top of that, we look at the long-term versus short-term rental properties. Now, the pros are for long-term rental properties are a few things. Number one, consistent cash flow. Like you're always getting money coming in unless you have an eviction, somebody moves out. I, I understand that. But it's always rented once you have a tenant in there. And they, they it takes them a long time to move out. Like say a year, you have a lease for a year. For an entire year, you have consistent cash flow, which is very, very good. Um, and so instead of having a short-term rental property where they go in for two days and leave, you have them in for a year. So you have consistent cash flow. Now for my family, we love the consistent cash flow because we can count on that, you know, to pay our bills, to go on our, you know, six-week trips around Europe or Japan or, um, you know, buying this, that, or the other, and we're not worrying about bills. We need that consistent cash flow so that we can continue to, you know, live the life that we want. Now, the next thing with that consistent cash flow, you have low turnover of tenants. So you have a much lower turnover of tenants. And in doing that, you don't have a lot of money in expenses to clean up, to paint the walls, to clean the carpets, to you know fix things that they broke or whatever it might be, and even leasing to new tenants. That costs money when you lease to new tenants. And so you have a low turnover, which is great for long-term rental properties. You want as low of a turnover as possible. Another great thing, the expenses or the bills like, you know, utilities or electricity or garbage or anything like that, those are all in the tenant's name, not in your name. You're not paying those. Now, unless you want to, meaning you're collecting the money from them, like don't just give them a free ride and, you know, pay the electricity or the utilities. Don't do that. But if you want to collect the money from them to then pay the utilities, you can do that. But your tenants are paying for these and it's not even, more than likely, you're not even seeing those bills. Now, you need to make sure that they're being paid. I have one area of the country where if the tenant doesn't pay the water bill, it gets stuck with the property owner because they want to get their money no matter what. And so it's really, really irritating. So we have to keep up on the water bill. That's a pro tip. Um, you watch out for these things where it's a municipality that's actually doing the water. And so they're going to attach it to the house. And if the, the tenant goes for six months without paying the, the water, they'll do that. In fact, what they'll do is... If a tenant owes $100 a month and they go and pay $25 just to keep it on, 
they'll cra- they'll rack up $75 every single month. So for six months, you keep racking up. And that's only $100, but I've had $200 bills. And so over six months, they just keep it on. The utilities are, oh, we don't know when to shut it off. And so, you know, anyways. So unless they make the bill current, I'm on the hook for those bills. So every single month we got to go and look at the water bill. It's horrible. It's it's rather a bummer, but I don't do it. My property manager does it. It's just an added expense. Uh, but so I wanted to give you guys that the pro tip. Always be checking on utilities, making sure, especially or 100%, if it's going back in your name, you know, if you're going to get stuck with a bill, always be checking on that as well. And so another pro for the long-term leases is that you receive a security deposit for any potential issues. Like when they move out, they leave it a mess. You use the security deposit to clean up the property. Usually it's about one month's rent. So if you're renting it for $1,000, you give they give you $1,000 in security deposit for renting the property so that when they move out, you would deduct any normal expenses that would to clean it up. But then after that, the rest goes back to them. Like let's say you had $800 in expenses to clean it up. You give them back the $200. And so it's just a way for them to pay for things that happen in the future. Also, if they go through an eviction, then that eviction process is also paid for by the the security deposit, as well as they forfeit that security deposit if they break the lease. Another one is you're able to automate the business. This is a huge, huge bonus about having long-term rental properties. I literally don't do any work and the business is automated where it's running itself. I have other people doing the work. I have property managers, like I said, um, I had I even have accountants doing all my bills. Um, I have um, uh, realtors and contractors and construction workers and roofers, plumbers, um, inspectors and termite, you know, abatement and all that sort of stuff. I, have, I pay other people to do the work, but even though I pay it, I am personally not paying it. My tenants are paying that. So I make that inside of the expenses as I'm buying a property. So let me break it down. If I'm buying a property and I know it's going to rent for $1,000, I'm going to make sure that all the expenses, that would be any inspections, any you know, um, anything that I need to account for, taxes, insurance, vacancy factor, things like that, I make sure, and my mortgage, obviously, I make sure that's accounted for in the expenses. So all the income minus expenses, then uh, once all the expenses are paid, I have money going in my pocket every single month. Another pro tip I'll give you, $250 or more a month in passive income is what you want to shoot for. Don't shoot for $50 like, you know, you're renting it for $1,000 and the tenants, uh, your expenses are $950. You're only pocketing $50 a month. That's not good. Go for $250 or more. That's my opinion. Now, somebody might say, I know you might be thinking, well, how did I get that? That's really hard to find, blah, blah, blah. I agree. It's hard to find. That's what you got to do your work. You got to look for properties. You got to make deals and make offers on properties lower than the actual value that they're putting on. Like they're asking the sale price of a hundred thousand, but you need to get it for 75,000 in order to make money. Well, put in the offer for 70 and work your way up to $75,000 in negotiating. And if they take it, they take it. You might be helping them out. Like don't be thinking, well, I'm I'm giving a low ball offer and they're going to be very, very upset. Like get that completely out of your mind because you may very well be helping them out of a jam. They need that $75,000 and you're able to help them out. You wanna be thinking like that you're helping people. Now, if they don't want the offer and they're offended by it, oh well, they get offended. People can get offended all they want. Like in our constitution, it doesn't say you have the right to not be offended. No, it doesn't say that. You have the right to not be have things to- stolen from you and other rights. Not being offended is not something that's your guaranteed right. People are gonna get offended. So 
you can also be helping people. So don't think about as an offending somebody. Think of that as you helping people out. Now, they don't have to, like you're not forcing them to sell you the property. They can't do that. So just move on. All right. So those are, now there's many other pros, but we're going to get into, because I wanted to make this condensed. We're talking a little more about short-term rental properties because I've been getting a ton of questions from people about short-term rental properties. People are seeing Airbnb and how much money you can make on there. Uh, VRBO is another website that people use. It's another good website to rent their house, you know, on a vacation basis for, you know, on a daily basis. So let's go through the pros of short-term rentals. The pros are, number one, you make more money. Like I explained earlier, you rent it out per day as opposed to per month. And when you rent it out per day, you make a lot more money. More than likely, you're going to be able to get your house for $80 or $100 a day. And on top of charging per day, People might be thinking, well, a, a, a con or a negative thing is you have to clean up the property every single time. Well, yes, that is a negative, but that's not coming out of your pocket. So I'm going to jump quickly into the cons or the, the negatives about short-term rental properties, but say that's actually negated by the tenant paying it. So they would pay it per day, but then also they pay a cleaning fee, whatever you charge, $40, $50, $100, whatever the cleaning fee is. Now, when you, they pay that cleaning fee, that goes to the cleaning company. Maybe you might add an extra $10 for yourself. You know, it's t- totally up to you. It just might price you out of the market where somebody might say, wow, it's a $100 cleaning fee when it's $50 over here. I'm not doing that. So that's another thing to take into account. But if it's turning over, you make your more money per day. Well, you actually account for that cleaning fee inside of your listing. So you add that to your listing as a $50 cleaning fee. So anytime anybody books, they automatically pay that fee. So that is negated, that whole cleaning fee and you know charging for that clean, that's all negated. Now, another pro is that it's flexible. Your properties are flexible. If, let's say you wanted to live in Hawaii uh, for you know maybe a month out of the year, but the other month, or months, 12, sorry, 11 months, um, you want to rent it out so it pays for itself. Well, you can absolutely do that. Rent it out for 11 months and then block out an entire month where you go live there for an entire month rent-free because it's your property, but other people are paying all those taxes and insurance and fees and mortgages and a property manager, all that sort of stuff. So if you want to do that, you can. Now, here's another beauty thing. Let's say you want to bless another family. You want to benefit, um, um, you know, let's say a minister or a pastor or a missionary or something like that. Like, hey, you know what? I have this house over in, um, I don't know, wherever, the, the mountains or the ocean or whatever, you know, pick a place. And you say, I want to send you there because, you know, I love you and you're 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 almost like family and I wanted to send you there. Or you, a family member, like your parents. Hey, go, go use my, my beach house. Go use my mountain property. It's flexible, so you can block out that time so that they can go and use it. Now, that's another great, great thing. I love being able to do that. Now, another one, another great pro or a positive is you use your property when you want it. So you can use it at any time. Like, let's say the next month, oh, I got to go there because I have a wedding You know, that's in that area. Well, then you can then block out that time and go stay. Basically, just like it's being flexible, you can use the property whenever you want. Another thing, and it types back back into taps back into the make more money. So you your short term tenants, they pay for all the expenses, you account for the expenses like your taxes and insurance. So you account for that. Now, if you're not accounting for it, you need to account for it. 
So if you're going to rent it for $20 a day, as opposed to 80, because you have more expenses, well, you might be losing money. So when you're charging, you need to make sure you account for all expenses. That's, you know, um, utilities. I mean, a big one is electricity. You know, when I go to an Airbnb, I crank that AC because it's, I'm not paying for it. Actually, I've already paid for it basically in my, you know, night stay, like at a hotel, I crank that AC. It's freezing in there. My kids say, daddy, we have to wear jackets just to go to bed. I'm like, yes, I know. Cause I, <laughs> I love it. And so, um, you're accounting for that, but your tenants actually pay for all those expenses. So you need to make sure that you account for those. Now, again, the cost of cleaning, another pro is the cost of cleaning, cost of maintenance, cost of, cost of everything is paid for by your tenants. Even the lawn maintenance, even the cleaning, even the um, air conditioning repair, all that sort of stuff, those are paid for by your tenants because you account for those in your expenses. And so you charge more in general, not saying you overcharge, but you add that into your expenses. And so that comes out of the rent that you collect from through Airbnb. Now, another pro, Airbnb has insurance. I think it's like a million dollar coverage over your property. So they have their own insurance. So you get your own insurance, like definitely don't do that. Get landlord's insurance. Don't count on theirs. But they have insurance on top of it. They tout that or they they, they say, hey, this is great from us. We are giving you a million dollar insurance policy. Obviously, it's costing them money, but that's what they cost in their overhead. Now, and those are the general pros or positives for short-term rental properties. I know there are many more we can go over, but we're not. These are just going to give you some a good general overview. Now for the cons of the short-term and long-term rental properties. Let's start with the short-term property. So the Airbnb model and VRBO.com. So the cons for this type of short-term property, the first one really comes to mind. And it's very, very simple to understand that you're dependent on another platform. You're dependent on Airbnb, really, and VRBO. You're also dependent not just on that platform. Like if that platform goes, um, you know, goes away, goes bankrupt, then your income gets uh, dramatically cut. Um, or if they actually say you are no longer allowed to list on our website. If they do that, then you literally do not have anybody coming in. You maybe you know resort to Craigslist or something like that, but it's really hard to find short-term renters like that or quality short-term renters. And so a big one, if they don't like you or something goes wrong and they kick you off, then you're stuck and you have a property that's not rented. Also, the tenants that are a part or, you know, the, the customers that you would get, not necessarily like long-term tenants, but they basically are tenants, but they're customers. Think of like a hotel. A hotel has customers that comes and stay there, you know, four or five, six nights, or maybe even one night. You basically have a bunch of customers. Now, if these customers give you one star ratings or very low or bad star reviews, and granted, it might be <laughs> deserving of a bad review. If it is, then people will not go and stay at your place. Kind of resembles um, something of like anything on Amazon. If you see something with like two or three stars, you're probably gonna stay away from it because you think it's junk without even reading it. I'm not saying that's always the case, but it's a good rule of thumb. Like, hey, it's got like, you know, a thousand uh, three-star reviews and out of five, then it's not that good. Um, as opposed to something that has four and a half to five-star reviews. So you are dependent on another platform or somebody else's platform, one that you don't own, as well as the tenants, the people that are your customers that are gonna be coming in and giving you reviews. So you're really dependent on them. I personally am not a big fan of that because, um, you know, some people can actually be somewhat of a troll or a jerk or, you know, hey, they didn't have, um, uh, one, one day they didn't have shampoo. So I, I want a shampoo and they said shampoo is going to be there. I'm gonna give it one star. You know, people are just pretty, um, <laughs> pretty sad sometimes. 
But um, that's a con of the short-term rental properties. You're dependent on somebody else's platform. Um, so that's two and one. You have depend on somebody else's platform, but you also are dependent on reviews and reviewers can be horrible. Another con or another negative is the slow periods. Now, give you an example. In um, some places that are really um, just touristy that are really good seasonal for like, let's say you live next to Disneyland. And during the summer months, when people come to Disneyland, it's booked out like people are, you know, going there all the time because their kids are out of school. That's, you know, people go to Disneyland or those mostly who have kids. I know there's some adults that go to Disneyland, but in the in the most part, a lot of people with kids go to Disneyland. And so let's say like, you know, February, March, it's going to be a slower month because there are less people that are going to be going to, to Disneyland. Now, I'm not saying that that's absolutely the case. I'm just giving you an example of how time frames and their slow periods. And another big example, I live in Phoenix. And in the wintertime, it's fantastic for Airbnb. People come here all the time. And even in spring training, there's spring baseball where the teams come here and they practice here. And people just travel from, you know, miles and miles or hundreds or thousands of miles away to watch the spring ball. So you get a lot of people that want to stay. But in the middle of August or July, when it's like 115 degrees here, and you literally, uh, you you rarely ever go to outside. Uh, let's just say that uh, there's a much slower pace of people coming in. So, you know, you take the good and the bad, but that's another one. You have slow periods. If you have a property that is long-term leases, they're rented out for the entire year, no matter if it's good or bad, they're staying there. You have cons. Another one is you have constant turnover. Your property is constantly turnover to a new tenant, to somebody else that is going to want to use the property. Now you also mitigate that problem or quote unquote problem or a con by having the tenants pay for cleaning and maintenance and things like that. That's all wrapped in one cleaning and maintenance. And so when you use them to uh, use a cleaning company to fix up the property to clean up the property, you know you're constantly keeping it updated, which is nice. But you do have constant turnover. You have to find a new tenant all the time. And again, if you're dependent on a platform, if they stop hosting your your property on there, then you're stuck. You're out of luck. Also, you have potential for more wear and tear on the property. You know, with people moving in and out, um, now granted, it's not like big furniture. They're not bringing in couches and beds and TVs and stuff like that. But you have people that you don't know if they're going to take care of the property or not. So that's going to be something you have to be aware of, that there's more wear and tear. People coming and going, um, lots of traffic, especially if you live by the beach, you're going to have to worry about a lot of traffic of people coming in and out. So you're just going to have potential for more wear and tear literally on every everything. Um, also, utilities are in your name. Right? We talked about this a little bit earlier, but the a negative is that the utilities are in your name. Now, you do make sure how to mitigate that by making the tenants pay for that by making sure that the um, you know the daily rent or how much you rent it for per day um, for each night they stay, you make sure that's accounted for. Your expenses are accounted for in you know short and long-term leases. You want to make sure those are accounted for. You also need to upgrade the the place the home, the apartment, the condo, whatever it might be, you need to do a lot of upgrades. So that's a negative is that people are looking for the hotel experience. I think that's what they're starting to call it. That you want to be, you know, a hotel experience where there's white bed sheets and there's shampoo, you know, as you get in and there's a bottle of wine for you. Like they want to be wine and dine almost. And yeah, they, I wouldn't say they're expecting that, but the the nicer you make the place, the better the reviews are. You know, if you just have you know, somebody's, let's just say somebody's expecting granite countertops. So when you come in, there's Formica, you know, it's a certain type of, of countertop. And they might say, you know what, the place is not as updated as it should be. And they'll give you like a four star or a three star just because it's not updated. So you have to make 
make sure it's updated and nice and up to date and a nice property. Now, another one, you need to furnish the property. This is a negative for the Airbnb. You have to furnish the property. You have to have put beds in. You have to have sheets and pillows. You need to have multiple sets so you can change them out and um, wash them. You have couches, TVs, um, things all over the walls. With a long-term lease, you don't need any of that. You basically give them a bare house, bare bones house. You don't have to decorate it or anything like that. Just make sure the paint looks good. Make sure that the flooring looks nice and there's good lighting. Other than that, they bring everything of their own in. So you have to make sure there are furniture. There's a washer and dryer, most likely a stove, like upgraded. All, all that stuff needs to be really nice. So there's going to be a good, I don't know, $5,000 that you're going to need to, if not more, spent to actually furnish the property. Now, one thing I've done in the past, I actually lived in a house. And then as I moved out, I left everything. I, you know, I, I obviously made it really, really nice, but we were upgrading to a new house. Like, you know, from a 1400 square foot house we lived in for a little while, we moved all of our stuff in and we moved out to a bigger, much bigger house, you know, 3,500 square feet, bigger house. And as we moved out, we literally left the things that are nice, but there's going to be an Airbnb. So instead of moving everything, we actually just left it there and made it look really nice and then bought new stuff for our new places and so you can do that constantly over and over so that's a little pro tip if you want to do that now you also a negative is it's not guaranteed income so your income is not guaranteed now i'm gonna know you're gonna say long-term rental is not guaranteed i completely understand that but it's much more guaranteed because you're gonna have somebody in there that signs a lease a one-year lease or more if you can get them to sign a two-year lease you can have uh, you know two years of hopefully steady income coming in. So your income is not guaranteed because if you can't get that next tenant or that next customer to come in, then you're out. Then you have money that you're not just you're just not making, but you have, still have those expenses. Also, another negative that I see, competition against other Airbnb and VRBO sites, but also your competition is hotels. With long-term rental properties, you would never consider a hotel a competition to your price structure. But with short-term rentals, it absolutely is. So looking at hotels and Airbnb and VRBO and see what they're renting for per day. So you need to make sure that you match accordingly. Like I'll give you an example. I remember specifically going all through Europe when I went on a six-week trip throughout Europe. I used Airbnb all over the place, which was fantastic. But in Ireland, I remember specifically in Ireland that people in the Airbnb were not accounting for hotels. And so I would go and even though everywhere, just about everywhere in 11 different countries, I used Airbnb, I actually used more hotels in Ireland, as opposed to Airbnb, because the price of the hotel was so much cheaper, it was like half as much of the Airbnb. So not to say I didn't use any in Ireland, but I, I did. I mean, we traveled like, I think a whole like, I want to say a 1000 miles around the whole island, which was fun. But at the same time, we stared in hotels. So that's your competition. You have to compete against hotels. You have to compete about against Airbnb as well as VRBO. Your property needs to compete as well as your property needs to be nice enough and fixed up enough to compete. Either that or you drop the price a lot so you get more people in there. Now, another negative, there are a lot of moving parts to handling and hosting an Airbnb or VRBO type of property. And I say that by, let's just run through it. Number one, you have to manage the the listing on Airbnb. You need to, when anybody hosts, you have to make sure that, that it's 
going to be vacant at the time. You need to make sure that's clean. You need to make sure that the um, everything's put back in place where it should be. If anything's broken, you got to fix those. You know, if anything's taken, you got to deal with the insurance. Um, it, so it, there are many moving parts, and a big one a lot of people um, can think of is cleaning. But there's another one that's with the communication back and forth with the people that are going to rent. That's a lot of uh, kind of a headache because they're going to ask, well, what about, you know, did you bring, is there coffee here? What's the Wi-Fi password? You know, how do I access the place? What time can I get in? Is there, is there um, shampoo? Is there towels? You know, can we use a laundry? There so many questions. You just, you can't even think of what questions you're going to get, but you're going to get loads and loads of questions. So I know there are ways, I'm not going to say there aren't, there are ways to automate that getting a virtual assistant and other companies that actually take care of that. You want to use those, but that's going to be another cost that you're going to have to worry about. If you're doing it all yourself, that's a huge moving part that many, many moving parts inside the business um, is answering questions, but also making sure the property is ready for the next tenant. Also, another one, along with the moving parts to the business, it's very hard to automate the business. See, I'm in the business of automating my rental property business so I don't have to do a thing. My properties work for me, my property managers, and everybody I hire do all the work for me. So it's very hard to automate the business so that it runs without me because I want it to run. I want my company to make money without me. Now, there are ways, there are companies you can pay for, but you have to account for those. Those are costs that you have to add into your expenses so that is a good long list of negatives. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're going to make $3,000 a month instead of $1,000 on one property because you're doing Airbnb or VRBO, that could be a great source of income. And if you automate it, like let's say you have a you know, a 17, 18-year-old teenager that's in the house that you need to give them a job. Well, you can give them a job managing it. Obviously, you could, they'll ask you and everything like that, but they might have fun doing that. That might be great for them. Or you hire a, a VA or virtual assistant or something like that to actually manage the property. You get somebody next door or down the street that can clean. I don't know, but you, I don't know what you could do, but you can figure out ways to actually do it. So there are a good amount of cons, but if you're making 3000 as opposed to $1,000, you may be able to offset all those expenses and things like that. So you got to think about all these things. Now, the cons or the negatives to having a long-term rental property, there are a few that come to mind, but they're really not many. The reason why I brought this up last is because there are so few. Now, the few cons that I can think of is wear and tear on a property. When somebody moves out, if so, if you have to evict somebody, um, well, that's, that's two all in one. I'm going to say them separately. So I'll start with the eviction. So an eviction is a negative. Somebody might stay in the property for one to two months on their own without paying rent and they're waiting for the court date or you are waiting for the court date to have them uh, file a writ and have the sheriff go down, kick the, the tenants out and literally force them out. That takes a lot of time and a lot of money. So that's one con is you have to kick somebody out. Not saying you don't have to do that Airbnb. Somebody may squat there, which is another thing. You have to actually evict them. Um, another thing with that is you have more wear and tear with people moving out furniture. And I talked about this a little bit earlier. With moving furniture and um, refrigerators and appliances and things like that, you're going to have big things that not a lot of people are very careful when they move stuff. In fact, certain areas of the country where I invest, people just leave entire houses full of garbage or, you know, old couches or, you know, they found a couch off the street, picked it up and put it in their house, lived in it. And then, you know, three months later got evicted and they left the couch because ah, it's for free. What am I going to do? I'm just going to leave it there. And so I have to pay for it. Now, 
I consider that a cost of doing business. And oh, well, I still make money on that property. But that's another is potential wear and tear or you will have wear and tear. And you're also going to have to fix those up to get new tenants in there. You also want to make sure that the property is in rent ready shape. You need to make sure that the property is in good condition. You don't want a property that's in disrepair that's falling apart and then you get some uh, potential you know lawsuits against you so i know there are plenty other cons but i really can't think of any because i have any more because i have an automatic business that makes me money and i don't do a thing and so you know if you think of any cons that you want to add to this go on my show notes page masterpassiveincome.com forward slash zero four eight this is the 48th Master Passive Income Podcast. So you go to there, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 048. Now, if you are interested in getting into long-term rental properties, even short-term rental properties, how to actually buy properties, make sure you're making money every single month and, and create a passive income business, I wanna give you a free course. It's masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. This is gonna get you insights into the business showing you how to start the business how to actually do it and make sure that you do your best to never lose money now there was a tip that i was asked i was on a podcast and they said what's the best tip you can get when investing in real estate well here's my tip don't lose money <laughs> i know it's really simple to say and in the mind you're like oh well yeah I, I know that but how do i not do it well the way you do that is through education through education, making sure that you do the right things, where I lost so much money because I didn't know what I was doing, but now I've learned how to do it right. And now I make so much money and make money hand over fist because I know how I did, how to do it right. And the way to make sure you don't lose money is through education, learning from people like me who have gone through the school of hard knocks, did all the things wrong and figured out how to do it right. Now I have a business that runs itself automatically. All my students that I help get through buying their first property, buying their next property and then even quitting their job they are super super excited so go out there get my free course masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course i also have coaching group coaching out there if you want that as well you can check out my my website masterpassiveincome.com all right guys you've been fantastic i really hope you see the benefit of short-term rental properties but that is also something that comes with some negatives so if you can mitigate that if you can get around that then it's absolutely realistic for you to make tons of money with short-term rental properties all right guys get out there start investing. I'll see you soon. You take care of yourselves. Peace out.